Welcome to the She Built This podcast, where we are sharing the stories of professionals and entrepreneurs who are on a mission to create the new norm by following their dreams and making them a reality. I'm your host, Emily Aborn, and together we are inspiring, growing, and giving you the tools you need to bring ideas to life so you can build whatever this means for you. it would and I'm sure you did too and we always say this but the month of September really truly did fly by I bet it did for you too it's like this weird transitional month um I always kind of feel like you know I have one foot and my brain still sort of dangling in summer and then like suddenly boom it's fall and I also I don't know if this is how you feel but I'm kind of like looking at my calendar and thinking like, holy smokes, this is the last quarter. The end of the year is technically around the corner. What do I still want to accomplish this year? What might I like to set my sights on for next year? And I do feel like, you know, while I want to head into the last three months with gusto, Um, I also want to be able to give myself that space to make sure I can reflect, celebrate, soak up all the lessons, and move forward into the new year with intention. So all that said, um, I wanted to share with you three things I'm excited about right now in the coming month. And I also don't want to take a ton of time here in my intro because my interview with my guest Alice Carolina has so much goodness in it. And it's probably a little longer than you're used to here on the She Built This podcast. So we're going to make it speedy. Um, If you are brand new here, welcome. I'm so happy that you're here. And I would love to also welcome you to join our free online She Built This community as well. It's full of women entrepreneurs who are passionate, positive, and really excited about the work that they're bringing into the world. And together, we are in it. We're helping one another learn and grow and feel supported in this sometimes confusing, maddening world of entrepreneurship and business ownership. You can find the group and also learn more about like what She Built This actually is in addition to a podcast at shebuiltthis.org. Okay, speaking of She Built This, one of the things I am most excited about right now is that tomorrow, September 29th, She Built This is collaborating with Jody Gallant of JMG Marketing and Business Strategy to have our first ever She Built This in the Lakes region of New Hampshire. We're going to be up in Laconia, New Hampshire for an evening of community building, and this time... And as like no other time before, um, I'm actually taking the stage with fellow roundtable panelists, Karen Kenny, Karen Bassett, Kelly Chapman, and Jody, And we're all going to share what really goes on as we build our businesses. We're all coming from different points in our business journey and our businesses look entirely different. So I'm really excited to be having this conversation with these ladies. And I, I got to say, I'm sorry, it's too late to sign up, but I will see you on the other side if you couldn't make it and I'll report back as to how it went. Um, I'll also be sharing more about the collaboration behind the event itself and other events and just like more about collaboration because next month's podcast, well this month if you recall it was slightly themeless but next month I do have a theme and it is going to be collaboration. Um, 
on the note of collaboration, I'm also really excited because I have an upcoming content workshop that I'm going to be hosting with Jamie Chapman. Her episode, if you want to go back and listen to it, if you missed it, it aired at the beginning of the month. And we are going to be collaborating to bring a CEO your content day. This is like a whole entire day where you get to just solely focus on your content strategy and creating content, your content plan, your content ideas uh, to Milford, New Hampshire on Friday, October 21st. And basically what's going to happen is we're going to be combining uh, some of Jamie's mind sweep mapping techniques with my content strategy. And you're going to get yourself squared away for the last couple of months of the year hopefully beyond. Um, I'll include the link for that in the show notes in case you want to learn more and get in on that with us. And last but not least, inspired by my conversation with today's guest in October, I'm really excited because I'm going to take her up on her challenge and I'm embarking on a 300-day practice. Alice will share more about what that means in this episode, so make sure you listen for that part. But for me, like as much as I write and as much content as I create, I have completely put aside a thing I would really like to be writing on and working on. And it's just like one of those things where if I just sat down and did it every day, it would be done. And I would be very excited and singing a song and dance, doing a song and singing a dance. I don't know, vice versa. Um, So I might add one more thing in addition to the writing that I would like to maintain for 300 days. I might make it more of a general focus for 300 days as she talks about in the episode, but I haven't really decided yet. But that's my October plan. I'm going to take her up on this 300-day practice. And I can't wait until you hear her story about what that has done for her life and the lessons and successes that have come from her own choosing to do a 300-day practice. Um, on, as far as like a general focus goes, like I just said, like picking one for the 300 days, you will hear in this episode that I do refer to quote unquote, the theme of the month being leadership. But as you may recall, I sort of kiboshed the theme of the month back at the beginning of the month and decided it was just going to be sort of a general focus, which I suppose was my prerogative as a leader. And it just sort of felt like one of those things that I needed to shift because I wasn't feeling like the direction I had originally intended to go was the direction I wanted to go. So ignore that part. But I kept it in because Alice's response to what it means to be a leader is so spot on and thoughtful. In fact, everything about Alice, everything about this conversation was thoughtful and intentional on her part. I felt like I was chatting with a wise sage and I just really appreciate her knowledge, her perspectives, um, the pace of the conversation, and also just her commitment to really making a positive change in the way that things are being done and the way that things have in some cases, always been done in the world of online marketing. And then in addition to that, like how that ripples out to our customers, to us, to the rest of our lives. Um, Alice Carolina is a brand strategist. She's studied manipulation in sales in all of its forms throughout her life. And she created a company called The Ethical Move, out of a strong personal conviction to break the cycle of consumerism, which she believes is the root of our global crisis and at the heart of true change. Alice realizes that our insatiability is created by psychological tactics in order to make a profit, and she decided to find a way to break that spell. So that's what the ethical move is all about. It really seeks to open the door for a transparent, thriving marketplace that works for everyone. 
I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did and start using some of the questions that she asks and some of the topics that she raises as an opportunity for yourself to uncover where you can take responsibility as a leader and as a business owner. Um, Alice gives us these really nice, large, broad concepts, but I think she does an excellent job of breaking them down into actionable, tangible steps that we can start taking and implementing right away when it comes to our own ethical marketing, our own decisions, and honesty with our customers and community. Hi, Alice. I am so excited to have you on the She Built This podcast. Hi, Emily. Me too. I'm, I can't wait to get, dive in with you here. So I think the best place to start, because I love a good story time, I think the best place to start is probably you telling us your story and kind of like what brought you to the work that you do today and then really like how that's formed, how you help people. Right. Uh, you know, short answers first, right? Um, I started, I guess, talking about communication um, with my mom when I was a child um, because she was a teacher in that field. Um, and I remember us talking about various ads and the way that people sold and all these things quite from a quite early age. And then naturally, I went to um, art school because that's what I felt I wanted to do. I wanted to be a graphic designer. And when I finally came into um, graphic design school, where my mom was a teacher, um, I realized how awful it was. <laughs> Not necessarily the design part and the beauty of it. Um, but the um, the way that we sell, the way that we make a thing a certain way in order to influence people in their minds. Hmm. So I learned that very, fairly early on. Um, and then combined with a lot of um, just lots of lots of work and working in a bar on the weekends uh, to make some money so I could um, move out from my parents' house, I burned out pretty heavily and went and took a, a year break where I went to uh, Bolivia, where I had a godmother, and uh, Vancouver eventually. But Bolivia really shaped sort of who I became. And this was me at 18. Um, I walked around La Paz, um, not quite comprehending the poverty, sort of in stark contrast with these rich villas um, at the top of the hill where I lived, um, at my godmother's house. And it really brought home all these things that we've been talking about at home about um, inequality and just the sheer <laughs> unfairness of it all. Um, and what really struck me um, was that it felt like this is not something that we can just patch over and fix. This is something that is our fault, us being, you know, Western people, white Western people who can always leave whenever we choose, you know, a terrible situation, um, which those people couldn't. And so <laughs> I kind of carried that with me, not knowing at the time that this is all the information I got. Um, I was quite focused on just living a teenage life as well. But um, later on, when I came back to Switzerland, um, that's where I grew up. Um, I 
went back to graphic design school. That was the plan. And I realized how it just perpetuated the same situation. Like it felt to me like a clear line between what I'm doing to sell things to people, which makes people one on one hand richer and on the other hand, other people, it makes other people poorer. It just felt like a direct line to why people live in destitution and displacement. So it just wasn't working for me anymore. Um, I am a very values driven person and that just was too much for me to handle. So I decided to leave and um, leave for good. And sort of made my way through various travels and various, you know, short time occupations as, you know, seasonal stuff, <laughs> coffee shops, you name it. Um, until I came back to school to advertising because I was good at it and I wanted to know more about communication. And it felt like, well, I got to get a job. I got to make money. Um, and so I learned more and more about how to manipulate people properly <laughs> on all levels, like from hotel sales to like positioning in stores to visual merchandising, um, interior design, commercial interior design, um, how to design a shop so people, you know, stay long enough, but not too long in certain areas. So they buy the most. Um, and it just kept compounding the same experience. Um, so I eventually decided, you know what, I'm going to leave all this job stuff behind and make my own business because then at least I can, you know, build it on my own values. And I entered the online world. This oh was boy. in 2015. <laughs> exactly. And then you realized it was a toxic <laughs> That was it. Yes. So that was basically it. That was me going, oh, it's even worse. <laughs> I could not have imagined that with a beautiful place like the internet, which was, which was you know, shiny and new when I was growing up, um, that we would make such a horrible place out of it. Um, and so that's when I started first sort of yelling about, uh, let's not use, you know, the same rules and the same tactics of the last century let's find something new let's do anything different and most importantly let's not harm people um, and let's take responsibility for the power we have um, on all levels and so that was really where um, my work came from around ethical marketing but then um, also for my for my sort of design work I realized I needed to find the biggest bucket I could find which is um, branding which is where I landed with um, my, I guess, first or second business, whichever one you count first, um, and really dug into what does it mean to become a values-based human in a business in today's world, especially online, um, and how can I grow that confidence and self-trust in people to really listen to themselves and not all the noise online. So that's the long story of how I, everything came to be. And isn't it fascinating how in today's in today's culture, it's like an unlearning of like all of this stuff that we basically just took for granted because it worked to manipulate people and to get people to do what we wanted them to do. But now you're stepping in and saying like, let's unlearn this and really come at this from an approach that that shows the value and equality in all human beings. Yes. And really understanding that we are 
not just the cause, but also the perpetuators. So we, it's in us, it's, we can do things differently. Um, it's not actually like relief work, all those things that we experience as, you know, that's helping people um, really looking at that, understanding that that's a colonial approach to begin with, but also really knowing that the relief would not be necessary if we just took a beat and really understood what, what's right in front of us. So I definitely want to get more into like the specifics of what the, what that looks like. But before I do, I want to tie you into the theme that I have for the month, which is leadership, because I really think that this is the role of a leader. This is the work of a leader. So I'm curious to hear from you what the word leadership means to you and how you see that showing up for you. What a great topic. Um, I actually spent my last 300 days, I have a 300 day habit practice. Um, I spent it with the focus on leadership, actually. Um, I just ended it and I have lots to say about it, but I'm going to keep it to the cliff notes. Um, leadership is a fascinating topic, especially for a white lady like me. Um, it It is um, both broad and complicated and uncertain. <laughs> uh, but mainly, I think what it comes down to, uh, what I've noticed and what I've learned is how much it has to do with listening and being with uncertainty. Mm. Not so much going out front and yelling and screaming, but actually um, stepping back and sort of helping the flow of what naturally would come anyways along, if that makes sense. So if somebody of my team comes with an idea um, and it fits with what we're creating, which is naturally what would come anyways, because we're all quite in tune with our passions and visions for what we're building. Um, then it's just a matter of, okay, cool. How can I support you? What can, what can we do to make this a success? How can you build it? Um, and how can I be sort of a, you know, one of those posts underneath that holds the whole thing up? Um, so I feel like leadership has a lot more to do with um, with being a vessel than it has to do with um, being the one with the torch in the front, even though I have to remember that it's also helpful to, you know, to be out front and to say the things that need saying. Um, but I feel like it, um, I just feel like we're going into hopefully finally um, we're, we're realizing a more communal approach to life um, and leadership in a community I find has to do with, holding each other up and being being a glue or being the person that facilitates um, more so than being the person that, you know, grabs the attention and goes out front, if that makes sense. Do you feel that the leader <clears throat> is kind of the one to hold the vision? Or do you feel that it's even that is is more of a communal experience or more of a participatory experience where you're creating the vision together? I think it's both. Um, I do see moments where I feel like I have to say, all right, and this is the place that we're going. And in the end, there has to be a decision made. So it does rest on the leader to finally to decide, okay, so this is out of the consensus of what we've created. This is the best choice. Um, and to not be afraid to make that choice and also make the hard choices like letting someone go or, you know, all those things that we don't want to, or I don't anyway. Um, but I do think that, um, again, back to listening, like really understanding what the collective vision is and then recognizing those patterns and choosing the best path forward, but always, always, always ready to course correct and always willing to sort of open up and say, hey, 
what what do you think? What do you see in this vision? Is there something I'm missing? Is there a gap? Um, and if there is one, what do you think? Because we can actually then probably better assess and better words what we're really here for. Um, and I think that we often forget in a very patriarchal structure that it's not at the individual that makes a difference in the end. Um, and I think that, yeah, that that's a bit of an unlearning as well, I think. Um, so yeah, does that answer your question? Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, okay. So let's, let's talk a little bit about the ethical move. Like how do you describe that to people? What, what, can, <laughs> what is it? Um, it's funny. It's both simple and complex. Um, it is an ethical marketing movement, although we do include all of communication, um, including sales as well. So basically any which way in which we sell the thing that we make. Um, and what, it started as a pledge to, I mean, it still is a pledge to market differently, to be differently online, especially online, but also lots of, you know, physical <laughs> businesses have joined us as well, um, to be more honest, more transparent, and really work on what it means to be human first or planet first. Um, and from there, what we what we first wanted to do with it was create sort of a certification style, like B Corp or organic, you know, um, a typical standard, so to say, um, so that people could have something to work with and um, and grow and actually have sort of a badge on their website saying, hey, I'm doing this work. Um, the badge stayed, but we decided not to do a standard because we realized the, again, patriarchal controlling colonial approach of, a, of most certifications and that they are a bit of a pass sometimes. You know, you check all the boxes and then you come out the other end, but not really having understood what you're actually doing, um, except for sort of a vague idea of what you stand for. Um, so we really wanted it to be based in intention and doing the work and sort of really taking ownership and responsibility for what we're here for. So it became what we're calling an intention pledge, where you pledge mm -hmm. to a bit more of an ethereal idea of what you're doing, but with very tangible actual outputs, if you look at it from sort of the core of what it stands for. Um, and then also with understanding that we do still want to have a place where people can work on this and knowing that it has to be a collective approach, otherwise it's not going to work, especially including people from the most marginalized areas of our lives. Um, we realize that a community is really the only way we can we can create a, a real change, you know, because we haven't really tried a communal approach to changing the marketing game, I guess. Um, and so that's where our community then started. We just launched our uh, membership community. It's a paid membership community where people can come together and experiment and play and exchange and be, you know, in community with each other as we're trying this different way <laughs> forward. Like you said, unlearning and relearning um, everything. So that is in essence sort of like the business model, I guess, and the structure um, of the ethical move. But far more than that, it's really the idea that Again, as business owners, we have the responsibility to change our marketplace. It's not up to the consumer mm. or only partially, you know. Um, and if we as business owners really understand and, and, and own our power uh, in every which way, then we 
then we have a chance of of really understanding what we could do differently if we zoom out and really understand how much of a complex system our economy is and that we do have a part in it and that we are sort of citizens of our countries and need to take care of that patch of the land, you know. And really recognizing that a lot of the information out there is teaching us otherwise. So it, <laughs> exactly. it's, it's teaching you exactly how not to do what you're doing, which, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so let's get into some of those specifics. Like if you don't mind, I'd love to kind of walk through the pledge and how, yeah. how it just sort of focuses on putting the person before the sale and communicating inclusively and effectively and truthfully and clearly and what that really looks like tangibly. Right. <sighs> well, um, we really wanted the pledge to be a sort of a guiding um, set of, I guess, principles for people to use as they see fit in their own worlds. So um, we had a few ideas back in the day where we said, oh, we just need to slow down the sale. <laughs> and then our brown person living in Singapore said, uh, well, that's actually not possible for brown, brown or black people, um, not necessarily. And we kind of realized how much um, privilege was in you know, deciding what should be the change that we make. Um, so we wanted it to be a, a guiding light but not um, the decision of how it should look. Um, so really the pledge um, consists of the most sort of fundamental, basic, zoomed out ideas we could, we could create. So we put the person and the planet before the sale um, is the first one where we say, we respect you and your privacy and we will help you make the best choice for your needs, not ours. Um, not to say that our needs are not met, but this is the best choice for them. Mm -hmm. um, and especially respecting you and your privacy is a huge part, right? That's one of my downfalls. My privacy policy is not great yet. Um, so really understanding how can I put, I would say, others before me, which sounds self-depreciating in a way, but really what um, the focus is right now is how can I get more and how can I make more and how can I, you know, be the best. So for us, it really is about, okay, let's take us out of that perspective and see how can I really serve, really serve. If I say I'm going to serve, like, what is that? What does that mean for me and my business? Um, so whatever that means for you tangibly, that could mean, you know, um, I don't know, maybe you have a very distinct set of um, privacy controls that you want to make sure that your people enjoy. Um, maybe you have a way of doing your sales calls where every five minutes you take a break and you say, Hey, what are you, what are you experiencing? How are you feeling? What do you want to talk about? What's the gap you're feeling, you know, instead of pushing through uh, and really hoping to make the sale. Um, and then our next sort of point is um, we communicate inclusively, truthfully, and clearly which is a really, really, I mean, they're all important, but this is really um, probably the juiciest. Um, we will not confuse you or hide information from you, and we will help all audiences feel welcome. So this means really understanding accessibility, understanding, and I mean, <laughs> beyond all text, um, really understand what it means for people to be able to play um, and not yeah. excluding anyone and really being truthful and clear. And that means, you know, not saying things slightly, you know, hidden, you know, well, people won't know if it's one way or the other, you know, like little white lies, not even lies, but omitting information or not being quite 
um, as just being a little vague. That's probably one of the most common ones where you're not essentially doing any harm specifically, but vagary is kind of the same, um, can have the same effect where people don't quite understand what they're getting themselves into. Um, which sometimes can be hard, right? Like my my branding clients, that's one of the things that is the most difficult to elicit is clarity and and distinct messaging, you know? But I mean, that, that only um, is beneficial to us anyways in our marketing. So it's really like all of these things are really just like it's relationship building and creating of trust. So it's not, um, it's, it should just be the rule <laughs> is and, what I and- think. And I agree with you that, yes, it's a service to other people. And it also helps you when you're not confusing and hiding things. I'll give you a situation. It just happened the other day. I have an event coming up uh, at the end of the month. And someone was like, I don't, she couldn't figure out between the four different ticket types because Mm. it said program versus directory. Like it should have said directory and it said program. And it was confusing because if you think about it, the night of is the program. (laughs) And and she, I think she was, I I think that she, that English is not her original language. And Mm. so, and for me, I just was writing it and I'm like, I don't see what the confusion is. But so I went in and explicitly like changed it so that both ways made sense. And I think Mm -hmm. it's just little tiny things like that, that are so helpful. Like then there is just no question, you know, people aren't sitting there like, what do they mean by this? Well, and it goes back to the old saying, right? A confused mind says no. It Clarity helps in every way. Transparency mm-hmm. helps. Like if I know that um, if I'm completely honest and truthful about what's going on, people will trust more. That's just how it works. I I mean, I feel like that's true in, in any sort of situation where you're in relationship with someone. So, I, yeah. I think, yeah. So I think one more question in this or one more question piece of this is this thing called charm pricing. Um, <laughs> and I'm, I'm sure you've heard the term and I'm sure some listeners have heard the term, but for those who haven't, it's basically saying instead of $29.99, it's sorry, instead of $30, it's $29.99, <laughs> you know, or instead of $3,000, it's $29.99. And just this it's it's you know we understand what you're doing and so using that psychological tactic on people is one I have personally stopped doing like I'm like I'm going to choose fives or zeros like that's it fives or zeros I even had a program that was 797 and I went in and just changed it I'm making that a five because it does not need to be a seven no it does not and it it's interesting actually funny enough um Charm pricing was the very first pledge of the ethical move. That's how we started um, because it was the most basic, most clearly definable psychological tactic. We could just say, don't do this, do this. <laughs> it was black and white. I had like, we could say this is a charm price and this is not a charm price. Um, and so I am very familiar with the term and it's actually so awesome that you brought it up. Um because I mean, not only, you know, um, nine nines, but also nine sevens, you know, 297 instead of 300, that's a famous one or $27 instead of 30 or 25. It's, um, it's really based on the psychology of us seeing the first number and determining our price and the value of it based on the first number on the left. That's just how our brain works. Mm -hmm. So if it's 297, we automatically, without thinking about it, assume that it is cheaper than something that is 300 or $303, even though it's the same difference from 300. So 
really understanding that that actually bypasses conscious decision making and what that does eventually, like not just in the very moment of your sale, but also it it erodes the ability of a person to keep making conscious choices in other situations. Um, it bypasses what we know to be true. And that kind of erodes everything that like eventually you stop trusting your gut, you stop trusting what you're seeing and the information you're seeing. And so it all just becomes a big, messy uncertainty for your people. And that just seems like such a waste and such a shame uh, because in the end, you would want to have a client cycle that's a circle and not something where, you know, you you have like a lot of sales and then they drop and you've alienated people and they mistrust you. Um, and on the flip side of that, or not even the flip side, just another point to that is charm pricing only works in the short term. It, it doesn't actually like all of these psychological tactics have a very good sort of like, you know, short term success rate, I suppose but they don't work in the long run. And over time, what is going to help you sort of build or create or keep your sustainable business is a, a relationship that is built on trust. Mm -hmm. And if that if that is not established, and if you've created basically clients who don't understand that they're being, you know, their decision-making is being bypassed, then you are part of the perpetuation of a cycle that is really unsustainable and harmful. So it's like, oh, I'm not going to go shop fast fashion, but I'm going to make a charm price. To me, those are completely like, those don't feel right. You know, you can't do one without the other, in my opinion. Yeah. And, and that is why I, I mean, it's so cliche, but that no like, and trust factor mm -hmm. is what I am always telling my clients. Like, this is what we're working on. This is what we are working to grow. And it is a long game, yeah. you know, like it is a long process. It's not overnight. It's not quick. And I think that's why a lot of people are telling you to do the opposite because they want you to get quick, rich, quick. Yes. <laughs> um, and that just at the end of the day is not to, for me, it's not my path to success. Yes, absolutely. Uh, um, okay. And then, and then you have one more piece of your pledge, which is really about taking responsibility yeah. and saying, we are going to continue looking at this and holding ourselves accountable. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, absolutely. Um, the wording is we take responsibility for our part in changing the marketplace. We recognize the need to break the cycle of consumerism. We will continuously review our sales and marketing to ensure the benefit of the common good. So this, these are, this is the essential pledge, but then there's a really important part here too, where we say, we count on you to hold us accountable. Please connect with us if you see us not honoring our pledge, which is important because we want to be able for people who are experiencing the pledge at work with someone um, to be able to say, hey, wait a minute, you actually used the charm price and you said you pledged to do it differently. So it's a, an accountability structure sort of built in. Um, but back to the third piece here around taking responsibility. Um, this is the zooming out that I was talking about earlier, really understanding that we are part of a bigger cycle and that our way of doing business is going to impact our, our clients, our consumers, our, our uh, customers, and how they experience us is how they're going to go into the next 
experience of being sold to. So if you don't have term prices and you explicitly say that, for example, then this person might go to yeah. Apple and be like, why is all of this $4.99, $9.99? Not saying that you can take on Apple just yet, um, but but just saying like, oh, actually there's something here that I could watch out for or look out for as a consumer. So you're also building um, sort of a strength in understanding what could be different in, in your clients and your customers. So understanding that and also really getting that it's it's a practice. It's a lifelong thing. This is not a, an in our lifetime kind of thing that we're building. <laughs> um, we are continuous going, continuously going to have to review because as we've seen, especially in the last few years, so much shifts and changes underneath us all the time and we need to adjust we need to you know create different commitments understand that we need codes of conduct for example or how those may change or what we were doing before all of a sudden realizing oof that's a shaming tactic i didn't even know i was doing it um so this continuous review really helps to sort of keep you accountable not just that but also keep you in the loop of what's actually happening with your communications be that you know reviewing your tech and making sure that the privacy policies that those third parties have that those are really that you have those agreements made that you really understand everything that you're putting your clients and your customers through um, with the sort of zoomed out lens of thinking companies Companies and corporations inform lobbies, <laughs> lobbies inform government, government informs the welfare of our people and our planet. So understanding that we have a cycle here that's much bigger than us and really taking responsibility for our patch in it. And I love that you say, you know, this is throughout all of our communication. Like this is how we use the quote unquote pain mm. points in our copy, which, which don't even get me started <laughs> on that. <laughs> Um, I'm like, can we just stop, please? <laughs> um, but it's it's from start to finish in the things that we're doing in our business. So what do you recommend as someone's like, okay, <laughs> let's say they, they, re they read the pledge and they're like, yes, this sounds great. What do you recommend as kind of like a first step that you could take? Um, well, take the pledge. <laughs> if you want yes. to join the community um, or, you know, follow us online and read our articles to sort of get an understanding, getting getting into what it means for you, really understanding why you're doing it um, would be a first place. Maybe just doing some soul, soul searching, um, connecting with people in your community that you feel are maybe on the same page or kind of, you know, have the same stuff in their gray matter right now and want to maybe um, talk about it. Um, and then really, I think tangibly, the first thing to do uh, is what I would call a touchpoint review, like a very solid mm -hmm. look through your customer journey and look at all of your different touch points. And I mean, everything, <laughs> you know, from your contracts to your email signature, to your social accounts, to every single post that you make or made um, and going through and understand and, and going through it with a lens of, is this accessible? Is this inclusive? Is this truthful? Um, am I clear here? Um, where can I simplify things? How am I participating in things? Where am I taking, where am I not taking responsibility? Um, and where am I making it so that people are able to really make a conscious choice? Because that's what it comes down to being aware and being able to consent. That is the key piece to honest and ethical marketing. It's not rocket science it's really just has the person does the person have all the information they need and are they able to say yes or no and then that's it 
Yeah. So that would be probably the most tangible approach, which is also coincidentally probably the most overwhelming. Um, so I would just, I, I don't know, for me, it's really crucial to have my team and my community uh, by my side because I would be, I mean, I am consistently overwhelmed by how much work is ahead of me. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you and me right? both. Um, but I actually like the idea of putting that in your calendar. Like mm-hmm. put a touch point review on your calendar and use, you know, I'm always talking to my audience about CEO days yeah, and like, yeah. the importance of that. That is your CEO day. Like that's mm-hmm. your next CEO day activity is going through and and checking these things for yourself and tuning into that why you're doing this in the first place. Um, okay, let's do let's switch gears into what I like to call the rapid roundup, Ooh. although it does not need to be rapid. <laughs> it can be at your own speed. Um, people are like, oh, no, does that mean I can only give one word answers? I'm like, no, you can give however many words you want. Um, so my first question is, oh, what are you reading right now? Uh, lots of sci-fi. Um, no, on the, um, on the nonfiction side, um, I'm a bit of a book nerd, but, uh, on the nonfiction side right now, I'm rereading Living Beautifully with Uncertainty and Change, um, by Playing My Children. Um, I keep reading that book over and over and over again. Um, it is just sort of the basis for my life. (laughs) Um, it is sort of focused on, yeah, well, living with uncertainty and understanding that that is the way of life and not getting caught in the trap of of seeking certainty all the time, which we do all the time. But, you know, trying to create a bit of a gap between um, freaking out and taking action and just kind of going, OK, this is just unknown right now. It doesn't mean it's bad. Um, so that's huge. I wrote that down <laughs> because I'm like, uncertainty? No, I shall control you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Um, Okay. And then what do you think is something that people might be surprised to learn about you? Surprised. Hmm. Um, Surprised? I feel like I'm an open book, but um, I, there's a couple of things. I'm, I'm currently learning how to um, become an adventurer because even though people see me as this person who travels all over the world, I, I have complex PTSD and going out and seeking new things is a really tough thing to do. And I've only really clued in how much I actually just want to stay home and not talk to people, but not because it's my natural inclination, but because I'm scared. So Mm. it's really sort of learning to go on small adventures, like paddling with my stand-up paddleboard just a little bit further than last time, or, or, you know, things that maybe people already see as an adventure period. Uh, For me, it's just, I don't know. I feel like I'm 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 learning to sort of stretch that muscle. Part of that is also um, I have a like I mentioned before I have a habit practice, a 300 day habit practice, which is not a secret. <laughs> um, but um, what I'm doing right now is is uh, my next cycle now that I've left leadership behind is wellness um, and wellness really of the mind, of the body, um, of the spirit, and really focusing on what brings me joy, um, which is such a you know it sounds so cliche, but it it's, I have a hard time celebrating. Like I have a hard time really, I used to think I was good at it until I realized I wasn't. I glance over, over important moments in my life pretty quickly and just immediately want to, you know, do something with it. Um, so 
slowing down, understanding what's right in front of me. And yeah, taking those little adventures and reveling in that um, is probably, I don't know if that's a secret, but I'm scared every day, yo. That's probably what I wanted to say. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I think, I think I can, uh, yes, I'm right there with you on some of those things too. Um, But I, okay. So for my last question, and I wasn't anticipating this one, but I would love to hear a little bit more about what this 300 day practice involves. (laughs) Um, It is, it's so funny. It's, it's one of those things that um, I, I built it out of a necessity to sort of ground myself. Um, I saw all these like 10 day and 30 day challenges, you know, like in 2016, 17, those were all the rage. I don't know if they still are. Um, And I kept feeling like, well, that's nice, you know, doing, I don't know, a plank 30 days in a row. That's great. But what, what then? (laughs) It just felt like it wasn't sustainable enough. And if you haven't noticed, I'm pretty, I'm a a long-term kind of gal. Um, Probably because I grew up in Switzerland where everything is long-term. It, um, it kind of occurred to me that I wanted, I wanted to change something about my life. I had just come out of a pretty harrowing time. I was, I was, I put myself in limbo on purpose, um, which is completely just the wrong thing to do. But if you ever decide to sell everything and live out of a bag and are not the person for it, um, just reverse course. Just don't make yourself do it. (laughs) It's not good for anyone who needs ground under their feet. And I do. And I thought I was such a perfect little nomad. Anyway, um, so I came out of that and really needed a solid sort of structure to get get me back into my business, back into my community, back into sort of a a life, I guess, um, instead of floating above it. Um, so I built a habit practice, which I decided was going to be 300 days. I went on a walk with a friend, actually, we devised it together. Um, and it had to incorporate everything. It had to incorporate body, mind, spirit, everything. Um, and we developed, I mean, we kind of talked about specific habits we would do for each that we could do every day that was the smallest possible increment we could possibly do. So instead of, for example, doing yoga every day, it was rolling out my mat every day. So just rolling out the mat, not having to do anything with it. I can look at it if I don't want to do anything, but I just have to have it rolled out. And then I, I sort of succeed at that task or that habit is accomplished. Um, and that kind of went through all of the different um, themes, like just, you know, having certain breathing techniques or doing some meditation, uh, gratitude list, you know, the, the typical, I guess, what made mine sort of unique and what I'm just really, um, I mean, it changed my life to be honest, um, is I, I focused on a topic I really struggled with, um, because I had, everything was floating. I didn't really have my business going the way I wanted it to. So I decided to really challenge myself to step out, um, (laughs) And I decided a few things, like, for example, I had to be visible every day in whatever smallest form that could take, which is maybe like a comment on a post somewhere. Uh, That would be the smallest form or visible, like literally in like, you know, a live call with people or something like that. So visibility was important. um, Or um, I said no every day for 300 days. You should try that. That one's fun. Oh, yeah. Uh, (laughs) It is big. And it can be small, right? It can be like, you know, saying no to cream in your coffee, like that's a no, that's good. Um, But also thinking of like no to a client or no to an opportunity or no to, uh, I don't know, certain foods or no to, um, you know, another friend saying, hey, come out and do this. And you say no, even though you're, you're ridden with FOMO. Um, just learning to say no. Um, I tell you, 
And then the discomfort that ensues from a no, <laughs> like in a call where someone's like, we should hang out again. And I'm like, ah, uh, no. <laughs> and having that conversation really taught me how to be with discomfort. And then I, I had to squirm every day. That was another one. I had to like do something that was embarrassing every day. So like wearing two different socks or something stupid, like just something small that made me kind of, yeah, made me uncomfortable. And I tell you the, like that was my first one in 2017. I started that pretty much exactly like in August. I think it was roughly at the same time. Um, and it brought with it so much self-love and self-trust. I cannot even tell you because it just, it just showed me that I was capable of doing something for 300 days in a row and just and do it and learn it and and be there for it and and grow from it and it just I don't know I can't even describe the the level of just I just understood all of a sudden the level of freedom that this type of commitment creates so I wasn't seeking freedom and you know like loose the loosest ties possible but freedom in a commitment to myself uh, and for someone who struggled with self-love and body image and all kinds of stuff, that was a huge part in making me happy within myself. So that's where it started. And then I was like, well, I'm going to keep this going after 300 days. I thought I was going to take 65 days off and then, you know, start again. But I was like, nope. So since then, I've just been doing different topics um, and spe specifically like always having sort of similar habits in general every day, like. I have a list um, for like the things that excite me or things that delight me in a day. Um, also a worry list, um, just things that I'm worried about. So they're out of my system. I don't have to think about them. They're written down. Um, and I have like a visual journal as well attached to it. I, I'm a total nerd for this now. So um, it's quite intricate now, but um, really focusing on like four or five habits that are specifically designed for that topic that I'm dealing with. So for leadership, for example, it was listening and who like who was impacting me, not just when was I leading or when was I stepping out, but the people that impacted me. Um, and that was really what where I learned about leadership and listening and, and being the sort of the support structure as opposed to, you know, what it does, what does it mean to be, you know, the big honcho? Um, so yeah, that's a very long description. I hope that oh, made sense. No, I love it. And it sounds like we can all really adapt, like you could adapt that to whatever you wanted to dive into exactly. more work. Yeah. Yeah. So I and love it. Thank the you. The key piece being doing the smallest possible increment of it, not allowing, not allowing your, you know, your, I don't know what it is, our competition brain that feels like we need to do the best of everything every day. Uh, just like allowing the smallest possible increment and doing it consistently for a long time. And I swear to you, like whatever you take on, it's just going to blow your mind. Not even the thing that you're learning, but the thing that you'll discover while doing that. Like I swear I released, I would say 99% of my childhood trauma while working on leadership. That makes no right. sense, right? Like that doesn't right. connect. <laughs> But somehow that happened and it just, you know, I was focused on leadership and then all of a sudden it just drained away. And that, I mean, not without significant conversation, of course, but, but still like, what, what is that anyway? So I'm still discovering. <laughs> I love it. Um, mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing that practice. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then I guess just to wrap us up, um, why don't you share how to get involved? So I'm going to have a link to both of your websites in the show mm -hmm. notes, but I always like people to be able to hear and read. So if you could just share your website and then how people can connect with you online, 
where you most like people to connect with you. Yeah. Um, So theethicalmove.org is um, the place that we have our pledge where you can pledge to The Ethical Move, um, which we highly recommend, of course. And um, it's also where you can link to the community and check that out if that's something that you want to do to further your pledge or just to hang out with people who think the same. <laughs> um, and then for my branding business, that's alicecarolina.com. It's also where I will be, you know, building things like the 300 day habit practice is going to be a book. Um, and then there's a few yeah. other things that I'm doing there and especially my newsletter. That's where I like hanging out the most. So uh, I'm not very big on social um, or let's say it just doesn't excite me. So that's where I'm, that's where I'm hanging out. Awesome. Thank you. And thanks so much for taking time and being a guest with me. Um, I really think that this is how we how we start these sparks of change too. like we're helping to educate other people and then they can take this and start implementing. Like you said, this is how you change the world, you know? Yeah. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. This is great. To learn more about She Built This and to join our community and get involved for yourself, visit www.shebuiltthis.org.